On today's episode of Yours Mentally, we talk about seeking informed mental health care. A lot of us want to seek help but don't know the correct type of help to seek. On this episode, we discuss various things like the therapeutic relationship between the therapist and client, whether what you share with your therapist is kept confidential at all times or not, and a lot more. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode. On today's episode of Yours Mentally, we'll be discussing seeking informed mental health care in India. So Noshin, my first question to you is, what are the primary rights of a client in a therapeutic relationship? Hi, Ravish. Uh, thank you for having me. So I'll just be going uh, over some of the primary rights of a client in a therapeutic relationship. The first and foremost is the right to confidentiality. So that is like you reveal a lot of confidential, highly sensitive information in therapy. And it's your right that the therapist does the therapist does not disclose this information anywhere without your consent the second will be the right to informed consent here uh, you have the right to know your therapist's qualification what is his or, or their education their background the kind of experience they have the scope of their practice like whether do they do individual counseling group counseling or uh, couples counseling you also have the right to know the school of thought because that often determines the plan of action and the way uh, the strategies that are going to be used and the potential uh, benefits and risks of using those strategies then if the mental health practitioner is diagnosing you you also have the right to know what is the need for this diagnosis and what does this diagnosis mean what are the implications of it then you also have the right to know uh, some logistical informations beforehand information beforehand that is what is the fees that the therapist or the practitioner is charging you uh, how what, what is the booking procedure what is the cancellation policy what is uh, going to the frequency of visit like are you going to come on a fortnightly basis or on a weekly basis so all this logistical information then third very important right is the right to terminate the therapeutic relationship. So mm -hmm. at, if at any point you're feeling that you do not want to continue with this person whom you see, you have the right to discontinue. You also have the right to voice any concerns you might have about the practitioner's conduct during therapy. So if they're being rude to you, or if they're making you feel uncomfortable in any way, or like, you know, if there is something just, just is stressful for you, like it's, it stresses you out. So you can uh, bring that in therapy. And you also have the right to uh, your records and reports. So you can request them that I would like to see uh, my reports, like what we have uh, covered so far, if you could also share your session notes, stuff like that. So these are some primary rights of a client in a therapeutic relationship. Right. So Noshin, uh, there's naturally an exchange of highly confidential information when it comes to therapeutic relationships. Is a therapist bound to keep it confidential, like even in the case of minors? Uh, it's a very interesting question, Aman. So mm -hmm. there are certain situations where the therapist is obligated to break confidentiality. Uh, this happens when A, the client poses a risk to 
his or her or their own life so they say something to the therapist which indicates that they might harm themselves in some way so in that case it's important that the therapist uh, breaks confidentiality because otherwise there are legal repercussions and it is important also important for public safety right similarly if the client indicates in any way that they are going to harm someone else you know they might like physically mm-hmm. injure someone in that case also it obligated it, it, it's an obligation for the therapist to uh, break confidentiality then in situations of child abuse where there is uh, where someone has is experiencing child abuse or has uh, committed child abuse so in that case also there is an obligation to risk confidentiality then there are crimes like terrorism money laundering trafficking uh, these are also situations where limits where, where confidentiality needs to be broken uh, then there are certain situations where a person is seeking mental health care from different professionals like they might be going to a psychiatrist they might be going to a counseling psychologist so in these situation there is not an obligation to break confidentiality but you have to seek information from the client seek consent from the client that is it okay that i share this information with the other professional so that we can together in conjunction provide you with the best care possible when you talk about minors what happens is that the uh, issue of confidentiality comes in because minors cannot uh, consent they cannot provide informed consent so in that case uh, their parents stand as representatives for them who provide consent to the therapist so legally the therapist uh, if the, if the parent requests you know that i want to know what is happening so they so legally they are not protected minors are not protected from confidentiality from their parents if they seek information but from third parties they are protected like employers not employers uh, like employees in the case if you are working with someone like if you are working at mcdonalds and or under age right or school right. so third parties uh, you are not obligated but with parents uh, you might have to take confidentiality as a therapist uh, but also right. as a therapist you can talk to the parents and speak to them about how a th- in a therapeutic relationship it's very important that the child feels safe and if they feel that you are going and telling everything to the parent so they uh, might not feel comfortable enough to share and the therapy the therapeutic process will not be effective so you can have that conversation also you're only bound to uh, reveal records and reports not your therapy notes to the parents because that's for your own personal mm-hmm. use so that's what happens in case of minors uh so what is the difference uh, in qualifications between uh, a psychiatrist a clinical psychologist a counseling psychologist and a life coach so a psychiatrist is a medical doctor that person has done an mbbs on, and after that they do an md in uh, psychiatry so they specialize in mental health disorders so their specialization is in the biochemical aspect of the mental health issue as well as the psychological aspect so like for example if a person has 
bipolar disorder so they see okay which receptors in the brain are responsible uh, which chemical imbalances are res- responsible for this disorder they will prescribe you a medicine to treat that and they are also trained in providing uh, psychotherapy but generally what psychiatrists do is that they work in conjunction with a clinical psychologist or a counseling psychologist where the clinical or counseling psychologist provides psychotherapy and the psychiatrist uh, provides medicine because here i come to who are clinical psychologists and counseling psychologists these are professionals who have an advanced degree in psychology and psychotherapy uh, clinical psychologists deal with more pathological issues uh, such as psychosis such as uh, uh, multiple personality disorder you know uh, major depression uh, counseling psychologists deal with relatively healthier populations so like there's a huge overlap between the work of clinical psychologist and counseling psychologist uh, but the major difference is that clinical psychologists work with more severe issues and counseling psychologists work with uh, less severe issues as far as life coaches concerned uh life coaches are uh wellness professionals who help you clarify your goals uh see what are the obstacles in achieving them make a plan of action execute it to become a life coach you do not need any qualification whatsoever anybody can become a life coach and life coaches are not bound to follow uh, uh any ethical or regulatory norms so it's always a dicey situation here like it, it has a flip side to it because these people are not answerable to anyone so sometimes a lot of in a lot of situation harm is done because they are not answerable to anyone plus they are not receiving any kind of training right so now she now that you answer that i have four situations so you and i need to tell me which professional would one go to in the following situations So the first one is if I need to work on goal setting and time management, who would I go to? I think you can go to a counseling psychologist for this. Right. Second is if I keep forgetting significant parts of my past. So this is a very uh, vague statement uh, for mm-hmm. me to tell you who to go to, but I think you could right. go to a clinical psychologist, a counseling psychologist, or a psychiatrist for this, and. with deeper inspection mm-hmm. of what the real situation is what is happening what are these events that you keep on forgetting uh, uh mm-hmm. diagnosis can be made or it can be seen what is happening right uh, then what about if i'm perpetually sad and occasionally suicidal so this could be due to depression so in that case you'll have to work in conjunction mm-hmm. with a psychiatrist who will provide you with medicines and with a psychologist mm-hmm. clinical or counseling who provide you with psychotherapy talk therapy uh, to help you uncover what has happened so a combination of mental health care professional would be the best situation for this right and lastly if i just went through a rough breakup and need to start over a counseling psychologist would be the best fit in such a situation right okay 
so Noshin, what kind of boundaries do therapists set with their patients and why are these boundaries necessary? Okay. So there are a few boundaries which are coming to my mind. First is money. So uh, when there's an exchange of money taking place, it's it's an exchange here where you are where a client is paying the therapist to take care of their mental health. Now this money is the bread and butter for the therapist. So this is a huge reinforcement for them, a huge incentive for them to provide best kind of care and look at themselves in a professional light. And even for the person who's uh, paying for these services, since they're investing their money into it, they tend to value it more. Here I'm not taking into consideration uh, situations from uh, very developed countries where mental health care is given, is, is provided for free uh, because there the th therapist is uh, compensated by the government. So the imbalance doesn't take place. But if, if you keep on providing pro bono service to the client without getting any compensation, then there's a blurring of boundaries. Like there's compassion fatigue, there's burnout that can take place. So uh, exchange of money, I believe, is important because it sets the tone that this is a professional relationship. Second is time, the boundary of time. So this is for each session and also over time. So again, like as a therapist, you are a human being and uh, there is only a limited time uh, which you can devote to listening to somebody else's life and life situation and being there for them uh, so for the mental for the mental health practitioners mental health it's important to have that boundary of time and also for the client it's important that there's a boundary of time so that there is no dependency that develops that you know you keep on going on and on and because it might li last a lifetime if there is no boundary that is set the third thing that is coming to my mind is power so there is obviously a power dynamic which is there in a therapeutic relationship because uh, the therapist knows a lot about the client's life and the client doesn't know about therapist's life it's important that they don't so in these situations, client is being very vulnerable in front of the therapist and it's important that the therapist does not misuse the information. Uh, the fourth boundary that is coming to my mind is responsibility for the relationship. So this is a professional relationship and the responsibility to uh, make it professional and maintain it professionally lies in the hand of the therapist. So they should ensure that there is no dual relationship that is happening, that they don't become friends, that they don't start hanging out together because it's not in the best interest of the client. They also should make sure that they are not treating their close family members or their close friends because that will create biases. So these are some boundaries that are coming to my mind. Right, right. So Noshi, I'm sure, have you seen the movie Dear Zindagi? Uh, yes, I have, a long time ago. So, yeah, so in that, you know, it just shows how Shah Rukh Khan and uh, Shah Rukh, Alay Bhatt is Shah Rukh Khan's uh, client in that movie and yeah. he's the therapist and they happen to take walks together, they go on a beach to play together. Is that, does, is that uh, ethical in, in like real life, like in the real setting in therapy? That is ethical actually, that's not an issue. 
because you're changing the setting of the therapeutic environment to uh, spice things up a little bit. You know, maybe there is a resistant client and they're not comfortable sitting in a closed, confined space on a couch and talking to you, and they feel more comfortable and relaxed when mm-hmm. you're engaging uh, in an activity with them or you are on a walk with them. It becomes unethical mm-hmm. when you, when the relationship starts becoming personal, right? So what happens mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. like you, as a therapist, you start thinking of another friend and you're like telling them your life stories, such a, this happened with my life, you know, and uh, like some self-disclosure is there, but you start talking to them as friends or maybe you start uh, hanging out as friends or like you, there's a blurring like... I don't know how to explain it, but it's very clear when a professional relationship turns into a personal relationship, you know, uh, it becomes very clear. Mm-hmm. So that's what is wrong. Right. Like you, like you said, th- so, I'm sorry, I'm cutting I, you off. I'm just brainstorming about this. Yeah. No, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, so for example, yeah. your client is uh, doing something in their life and then uh, you start getting angry with them about this you shouldn't do this and you know uh, you're disappointing me by doing this so here you know you're saying that okay what you're doing impacts me and uh, i feel this way about you so here you're not being professional here you are treating them as a, a family person a family member or a friend might do right you're not behaving in a professional manner right but like like you said like that setting like it is ethical, but don't you think that gives the client a sense of uh, more comfort and does actually make the client feel like the therapist is somewhat their friend? I wouldn't say a friend exactly, but it just gives them that sort of comfort, you know. So I mean, obviously, it does help, but then doesn't it also make the client a little too comfortable? That uh, depends. Or uh, like you know, it's a very subjective thing here. So maybe like there is this child. Right, who has come to therapy, who has been mandated to come to therapy by his mm-hmm. uh, teachers, and he has come and sat across the therapist in the therapy room, and he is not talking, he is not willing to talk. And then you just ask him, okay, what do you like to do? And he said, okay, I like playing baseball. So you take him to the baseball field, and you start uh, playing baseball with him, and it makes him feel comfortable enough. It makes him trust you to start opening up to you start talking to you so comfort being comfortable mm-hmm. with your therapist is very very necessary of course but there are certain there is certain decorum that needs to be maintained right right uh, uh, certain mm-hmm. like in terms of how you physically touch them you know you can't be very mm-hmm. touchy towards your client right yeah, yeah physical, physical intimacy, intimacy basically. Like, you can yeah. maybe give them a hug, but you can't kiss them, like, you know, all these things. So, it's a it's a delicate mm-hmm. balance that mm-hmm. needs to be maintained when you are going out and outside checking, but mm-hmm. it can be maintained. Oh, okay, 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 okay. I get it. So, right. And also, one more question. I'm asking oh, too many questions, good. but I'm just curious to know. Uh, say... Like, say I'm in a relationship, like, uh, even after I, I become a counselor or I become a psychologist, I'm in a relationship with a certain, like, a girl or a boy or whatever. And do you think it's 
ethical firstly and do you think it's right for that girl to come to me only for therapy or she should okay, go else so saying that here you are the therapist and your girlfriend yeah the girl i'm the person you're romantically yeah, involved is, with uh hmm. <laughs> no hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, no so, <laughs> so what happens is that uh, so you already like if you are romantically involved with someone you already again have a dynamic with them mm-hmm. yeah they know I you oh. you know them like you share things very personally and intimately right and because they are your partner they impact you right so if you start like if the therapist starts seeing their spouse or their partner in a therapeutic setting so that will be really really bad for their romantic relationship and for the therapeutic relationship so as a general rule i'm going to tell you that there should be no duality of relationship when i say duality that if a therapist between okay. a therapist and a client there should be no other relationship apart from the fact that they are therapist they shouldn't be brothers or sister they shouldn't mm-hmm. be they shouldn't be siblings they shouldn't be partners they shouldn't be friends of friends they shouldn't be family members because presence of uh unbiased view is very important for and the fact that the therapist is not impacted by you at a personal level because like for example if uh, my partner is coming to therapy to me which is like just a hypothetical situation because of the question you asked and uh, he revealed something mm-hmm. to me and it impacts me so of course i can't offer him a Uh, unbiased opinion i would just get angry with him when we start fighting there there wouldn't be therapy yeah <laughs> right right okay make sense mm-hmm. okay so my next question is is there any regulatory body for all mental health uh, practitioners uh, there is not uh, there is a regulatory body called rehabilitation council of india and it only provides a uh, licensure to uh, to clinical psychologist not to counseling psychologist so they just provide you licensure mm-hmm. licensure after you're done with your mphil in clinical psychology counseling psychology is recognized under allied healthcare profession so in general there is no ethical body there is uh, like in terms of mental health india is quite backwards and it does not provide its citizen with the mm-hmm. right amount of care like insurance is pretty bad and like this especially the lack of ethical bodies is really bad because what happens is that a lot of times therapists are uh, not protecting the rights of the clients but then clients do not cannot go to anyone to report them like they still those therapists still continue to practice and charge a lot of money to people and exploit a lot of people because they are answerable to no one right so we should slept or what acha okay no no here only uh okay so our last question now uh so what's the procedure to get a license uh, to start a mental health practice there is in nothing India? required has but i'm telling you that the structure of mental health care in india is very backwards and there is like only there is rci which uh 
only provides licensure for clinical psychologists mm-hmm. not for counseling psychologists and the licensure happens when for clinical psychologists when they are done with their MSc. for counseling psychologists once they are done with their msc in counseling psychology they can start practicing but again like i am putting it out there that there are a lot of frauds in this profession like people who are just done one course for 15 hours and they think that they are now counselors or life coaches and then they start like literally playing with other people's lives and emotions so be wary of who you're going to like uh, practice your right to informed consent and ask the per- ask that person what are what are their qualifications what is their experience and uh, you know what is the ethical code of conduct they're following if not indian even if they're following an american code of conduct whatever it is you have the right to ask them all these things before you go to them do not go to random people right uh, okay anyways thank you nashin for being with us that's quite uh, informative i mean there's so many things that i didn't know that you explained today you know about um, yeah and i hope people who are listening to it also get like an insight and you know they seek in like proper mental health care and not just go to anyone so thank you nashin for being with us and thank you, so thank much you again for, for listening me. and i'll see you in the next episode okay